as I said, we're living in the middle of a moment right now. This is what I would call a kairos moment. The Bible talks about this special word for time that's used in the Bible. And it's not just time like time that you keep on a watch. It's a different kind of time. It's not just time that you keep on your calendar when you circle different appointments. This is when I go to the doctor, and this is when I'm going to go and do this, and this is when I have to go to work. It's not that kind of time. The Bible talks about a different kind of time. It's time that God appoints. It's time that God circles on his calendar. These moments are precious moments. They're God moments. They're called kairos moments. And as we talked about last week, my prayer is that if God has a moment that he wants me to experience him, I don't want to miss that moment. Amen? I want to experience everything God has for me in this life. And you'll see in the Bible there are all kinds of moments in time. Moments that change people's lives. Moments that change eternity. Moments that change everything. I think about Moses whenever he's spoken to by a burning bush. I think about Moses as the Red Sea parts. I think about Joshua as they cross over the Jordan River. I think about Jericho, the walls of Jericho falling. I think about Peter, one of the disciples, whenever he's fishing all night and doesn't catch anything. And then Jesus shows up and in a moment changes everything in his life. These are Kairos moments. And this summer, what we're doing is we're calling it Summer of Kairos. And we're going to begin to chase after some of those moments. We're going to look at them in Scripture. We're going to explore them. But here's what I believe. God's Word is living and active. And each week, here's what's going to happen. I've been praying for it, and I'm seeing it already, and it happened last service. As we dive into one of those moments, we're going to ask God to give us a moment like that. For him to open that because I believe that God wants to speak to us through his word and show us how those moments are all around us. And God is looking for people who are awakened and ready to step into the fullness of what he has for them. Who's ready to take that journey, church? Are we ready? If you have your Bibles, would you open with me to 1 Kings chapter 19? We're going to start in 1 Kings 19 today. And we're going to be looking at the life of two prophets. You see, at this time in, in Kings, the first book of First and Second Kings, it's a time in Israel's history that they are ruled by all these different leaders. In fact, they, the nation of Israel splits into two, and the tribes split apart, and they have separate kings. And all these kings that rise up, many of them, their hearts are far from God. And because their hearts are far from God, the people become far from God. Eventually, it gets so bad that they get carried away into captivity. And into what the Bible talks about as exile. Cut off from God's land. Cut off from God's presence. But before that, we see that God sends all kinds of messengers. They're called prophets. And prophets are not fortune tellers. Prophets are not just people that just know what's going to happen in the future. Instead, they're God's spokespeople. They're people that feel the heart of God. That hear and share the message that God wants the people to know. And God raised up prophets to continually turn people Back to himself. One of those prophets, his name was Elijah. He was a prophet that God used so powerfully. He used and anointed him and the miraculous followed after the ministry and life of Elijah. But as Elijah was moving on in his years, God began to speak to him. And he said, there's a moment in time that's coming, Elijah, when your season is over. And therefore, I want you to go and I want you to anoint and prepare Elisha to step into your ministry. And so this is what God said. This is what God spoke. We don't know much about Elisha at this time. But that uh, only what we learn in the scripture as we come to this passage in 1 Kings chapter 19. 
And let's just look, because this is a moment, this is a Kairos moment that's making way for life change in Elisha's life. Let's look here, and starting in verse 19, it says, So Elijah went and found Elisha, son of Shaphat, plowing a field. And there were 12 teams of oxen in the field. And Elisha was plowing on the 12th team. Elijah went over to him, threw his cloak across his shoulders, and then walked away. Now this is a moment in time for Elijah. Elijah is someone who has a reputation. Depending on who you are is how you feel about him. If you sided with these evil kings, then maybe you thought Elijah was a crazy person. That he was someone that was just causing trouble. But many people who could see God's hand on Elijah, they recognized that he was a prophet, a man sent from God. And so this was very significant for Elisha because that moment, if you or me, if some guy, some strange guy walks up to you and throws his jacket on you, that doesn't mean much to you. Are you with me? But for him, it spoke so clearly, so powerfully. He was passing a mantle. He was extending an invitation. He was saying, come and follow me, Elisha. Watch what happens. God has something greater for you than the fields that you're plowing. Can I tell you this, friend? I believe for many of you sitting here today, God has more for you than the fields you've been plowing. He has more in store for your life than what you've been doing. As good as it might seem, as bad as it might seem, God has more. And so Elisha, Elisha already had more, though. You see, he has 12 teams of oxen. That's 24 oxen. That's like 24 Cadillacs in that day and age. Are you with me? My man had some, he had some wealth. He had some means. He, he had a lot going on for him. Elisha had a life. He had a farm. He had fields. He had fruitfulness that was connected to it. We also know that Elisha lived in the Jordan Valley. If you go to that area right now, it's a lush, it's a beautiful area. It's very desired property. So this would have been very desirable, especially in that time. So again, Elisha had some kind of means or some kind of wealth. So this man's going through life. He's enjoying everything he has. He's plowing the field. He's tending. He's working. He's hustling. He's doing everything he needs to do. And in a moment, God shows up through the prophet Elijah, throws his cloak on his shoulders and says, I have more for you than the, plows that you're fe the, the fields that you're plowing. Come, follow me. This right here is a moment in time. It's a moment where Elijah has to weigh his life, weigh his choices, weigh his future. And I believe that moment in time can come. That door can open to so many of us. But it requires something if we're going to take hold of it. It requires a bold step of faith. I'm telling you. That there are moments in time where God can speak to you, where God can show up, where God can give you a word. Some of you today, God has already spoken a word over your life. Some of you are aware that God has a plan or a purpose. He's put his finger on your life. He's put his touch on your life, and he's called you to something greater. But I want you to know that word is not enough. It requires a bold step. It requires an action, a kairos moment requires a step, an action, an action that will you will take to follow God and enter into it. And we always have to count the cost. Would you say it with me? Count the cost. Look what it says here in verse 20. It says, Elisha left his oxen standing there. He ran over and after Elijah, and he said to him, first let me go kiss my father and mother and say goodbye. Then I will go with you. And Elijah replied, go back and think about what I have done to you. So he gives him this opportunity. He says, I want you to count the cost. I want you to understand what it is that you're about to enter into. And here's what he did. 
Elisha returned to his oxen. He went back after kissing his parents, after talking to them. He returned to his oxen. He slaughtered them. He killed all of his oxen. He then used the wood from his plows. He broke apart his plows. He built a fire. He roasted the meat on the fire, and he passed it around to all the townspeople, and they all ate it. And then he went to follow Elijah as his assistant. Friends, this is such a powerful moment in time. Do you know what he did? He burned the plows. He burned everything that was about his past, everything that was about his security, everything that would have held him and sustained him and kept him. He heard and trusted this Kairos moment that God was opening for him. And he was willing to enter into it with everything he had. Can I tell you that a bold step of faith will always cost you something? It will cost you security. It will cost you even your safety at times. It will cost you your comfort if you're going to follow the calling God has on your life. And God opened this moment in time for Elisha. And he had to realize it. He had to step into it. And he had to burn the bridges. He had to burn everything that connected him to his past. There were no fallback plan for him. I'm all in, God. If you have a plan for me, then I want all of it. Can I tell you today, there are so many of us that I believe God has something greater for us. And we're saying, why am I still sitting here doing what I've been doing? Because I haven't been willing to sacrifice and take that big step to walk in the fullness of what God's called me to. What he's opened before me. You see, the purpose of Elisha's sacrifice was to separate himself from any option other than following God's plan for his life. Friends, how hard of a step is that to make? But he was burning his plows. There's no turning back for him. There's a few things I want us to, to understand about this. It, this story connects a lot with my life, with my, own, with my own life and my own story. Because I think for us, we need to understand that when God speaks to us, and whenever he sets us up and he gives us a kairos moment, he'll speak to us in a way that we can understand. That cloak going over his shoulders was something that Elisha could understand. God was using that to speak to him, to get his attention. God will use things in your life to get your attention, to set you on the path that he has for your life. For me, as I grew up, my, my family I didn't have a lot when I was growing up. We had gone through some challenging times. In fact, for a lot of my upbringing, we didn't even own a car. My mom would take the bus. We'd take the bus places. We would uh, go. We would struggle from time to time. Um, and I remember growing up in that environment, always saying to myself, one day, one day it's going to be better. One day when, I'm, when I have my own family, one day when I grow older, one day when I'm able, I'm going to provide for my family. I'm going to get a good job. I'm going to do these different things. And that drive and determination within me set me on a path that while I was still in high school, I enrolled in a trade school and started to work on computer engineering, networking, Cisco certifications, whatever I could, because I wanted to make sure that I could find something that would sustain my family, that would be successful. And then something happened. At that time when I enrolled in the school, I was an atheist. I didn't know God. That's all I had to chase after was money and stuff. Then I came into a relationship with Jesus. And that changed my life. That turned my whole life around. I went from not believing in God to now I'm following Jesus. And I said something when I decided to follow Jesus. Jesus, you can have everything. How many of you have said that? Lord, I'm, I'm all in. I'm following you. But here's what I realized. That on my journey, even within the first year of following the Lord, I would be up at an altar like this, praying. I'd be in a gym. I'd be somewhere. I'd be praying. And I would start to feel that tinge in my heart that maybe God was calling me to something. Maybe he was trying to get my attention. 
Maybe there was a stirring in me to be used by him in some way. And here's what I would always do. I would always go back to my plan. But Lord, what about this? What about my plows? What about the computer repair? What about all this stuff that I'm working towards? And I would always allow that to drown out any feeling, any sense of calling in my life. And I would always push that aside. Got so much that one of my pastors actually talked to me. He said, do you ever think about going to school, like Christian college or something? I said, no, that's for pastors and no offense, but this is my journey. This is what I'm going to do. This is where I'm at. I realized something. I didn't realize it then. I realize it now. And it's a great quote that I picked up from Mark Batterson. He wrote it in one of his books. And I think it really speaks to my heart and maybe it speaks to you. Here's what he says. Most people in most churches think they are following Jesus, but I'm not so sure. They may think they are following Jesus, but the reality is this. They have invited Jesus to follow them. They call him Savior, but they've never surrendered to him as Lord. Do you understand what I'm talking about, church? Here's what we do. We say, Lord, I've given you everything, but this is my plan, and I need you to get behind my plan and follow me and help me make this happen. That's not surrender, church. That's him, us asking him. And here's what I, I like to call that. That's us saying, Lord, bless this mess. Bless my mess. Bless my plan. Bless my way. Bless my purpose. That's not how the Lord works. He can save us of our sins, but is he Lord of our lives to lead us wherever he wants to guide us? And so this happened in my life, and I was in that struggle. And I ended up getting to a point where I, I went. And friends, I had a Kairos moment. I had a moment in time when God changed everything. I went to a, a, a church camp, the same exact place. It was a retreat where I got saved. Some of our students are going to be going away to a, to a camp uh, in, in just a week or so from our church. It's in that same exact environment, that same kind of place in the middle of Pennsylvania, Carlisle, PA. I s sat in a gym with 500, 500 other students for a week full of services and times and games and fun. But I can remember the speaker, his name was Reggie Dabbs. He was speaking that week. And on Tuesday night, he said something that I'll never forget. He said, you guys got 24 hours. He looked at us. And it was just like some of you will come to me and say, hey, pastor, when you're speaking, I feel like you're talking right to me. And I'm never talking right to you. I'm talking whatever the Lord wants me to say. But the Lord's speaking to you. Do you understand what I'm talking about? Well, I felt like that. I was a young Christian. I felt like this guy's speaking to me here. He said, get ready, 24 hours from now, God's going to show up. He's going to change everything. And can I tell you that I took that to heart? And I'm telling you, I went to bed that night, and I'm like, oh, no, 15 hours. And then, <laughs> then God's going to do something. And I had been reading. I would heard about burning bushes and all kinds of crazy stuff. The next day, I'm not kidding you, breakfast time. Oh, no, we only got eight or nine hours now until recreation time. I couldn't stop. I was so paranoid all day because I could feel in me like something's going to happen tonight. And I get through the night. I might even ask up my friends, like, what do you think's going to happen tonight in the service? He said everything's going to change. And they're like, I don't know. You know, no one was phased by it. But here I am just tormented by this all day. So we get to that night and I show up early to the service. No one's early to the service. They're all playing basketball or in the pool. Here I am sitting in the, in the sanctuary just like, what's going to happen tonight? I'm sitting there. Remember right where I was sitting. The service begins, and it's just like any other service. So I, I take a breath of fresh air, and I think, oh, good. Okay. We get to the end of the service. He's wrapping up at the altar. Are you ready for this? He begins to speak, and he said, you know, some of you have been thinking about God all day. But there's one young man in this room 
You've been thinking about God all day. That's all you could do is think about God. He said it's because he's setting you up because he's about to change everything you ever wanted. You ready? Throw your computer skills out the door. God's calling you into ministry right now. And I'm like, what are you? So here's what I'm thinking. First time when he says, you know, setting you up, I'm thinking, oh, yeah, who couldn't be thinking about God? Everyone's thinking about God. You scared everyone last night. And he says, there's a young men. I'm thinking, well, there's probably a lot of young men. Then he says, throw your computer skills out the door. Here's my first response. I can't believe there's someone else that's also going to school for computer. I'm thinking like, wow, this is really amazing. And then it hits me. Are you with me? And it hits me, and then I have this moment. It's a Kairos moment, right? I told first service that I have video of that service and that I would show it to them next week. But I went on my computer between services and I found it. I didn't know if I still had it. I found the video of that service, of that moment. Do you want to see it? All right, so let's just hit this on video. Let's see if we can get it up here and you can watch. There's a young man in this room. God's been setting you up all day for this. All you could do was think about God. All you did all day. And you know why? Because he was preparing you because he's going to change everything you ever wanted. Your computer skills are out the door. I want to do that. Who is that? I've never done this before in my life. Who is that? And you're going to go into ministry for the rest of your life. Who is that? Are you here? something, huh? I was like, who is that young kid up there? I told them at first, I said, my hair's a little bit different color and everything. I don't know if the, if the overflow caught that, but I'll, I'll get it to you as well, overflow. You'll be able to see it if you didn't catch that uh, on that end. But did you see, did you see that moment? And can I tell you that there was about one minute of, of pause between that video, between the time that he said that word and then he was waiting. He would not move the service on because he knew that God was speaking to someone. And he just waited. He was just reading my mail. Can I tell you when I rose my hand, and then you saw my face, right? You want to know what that was the, the, a picture of? Agony. I was agonizing. I felt like in that moment, God ripped away every one of my dreams and said, no, this is what you're doing. I felt like I told, I described it before, I felt like someone came up and pulled my arm behind my back and pushed me into some kind of surrender position. And I was so angry and so frustrated and so bewildered by what had just happened to me. Can I tell you, there can be times that you, you feel like as God shows up, you can feel like, God, this is, this is not the plan that I had. Where's my security going to be? Where's all this? And I remember having this struggle, talking to a pastor after the service saying, I don't know what to do now. I had this whole plan. I had this whole idea. And he said, listen, if God's really calling you to this, surrender to him and watch what he does. He's going to take care of you. I said, what about school? What about this? Like, I had all these things. Can I tell you, that night I surrendered to the Lord after service. And God put a love in my heart for ministry, for following him, for whatever he would have for me. Can I tell you what the next steps of that journey look like? God paid for my college education. God 
open door after door after door to one day the senior pastor of Evangel Church called me in my dorm room. Kevin Brennan said, hey, I want you to come work at Evangel with young adults. He had never met me in my life. He ordained every step of my life that led me to this moment in time, church. But it starts right there. Are you with me? It starts right there in one moment in time. When God puts his hand, when he throws a cloak across your shoulders. But here's what it required. I had to be willing to step into that moment. If not, it's just a story about something that happened 17 years ago. But it's alive now. It was a moment that was seized because I had to come and say, Lord, this is going to cost something, but I'm willing to step into it. Are you with me today? This is what God calls us to. Not just living our lives for ourselves, but seizing the moments he wants to lead and guide us. Mark 8.35 says this, if you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you will save it. It requires a bold step of faith. I wish it was the only thing it required, but it requires more than that. The next thing it requires, it requires seasons of faithfulness. Seasons, plural, of faithfulness. From this moment in time in Elisha's journey, 10 to 12 years go by before he actually steps into the promise that was made to him all that year before. For those 10 to 12 years, he was a servant to Elijah. He's fetching water. He's living in anonymity. He's doing so much less than he was doing. He had so much less than he had and what he gave up. There will be seasons that come that you just have to remain faithful, waiting on the moment. And I promise you this. That whatever it is you're willing to surrender, God has something greater for you. It will never, ever, what you would have if you held on to your own life will never be greater than what God has for you. God has something greater. It'll be more of more value, more kingdom significance, more eternal value. If you're measuring it in, in value in the kingdom, you'll see God's way is always the best. But sometimes that bold step of faith, you'll step out. And you'll say, now what? I want it to happen right now. I want the, everything to come. It won't always come immediately. You know why? Because we're not always ready for it. Can I tell you, it would have been very scary if that 16-year-old kid became pastor of this church. I promise you. God doesn't call you out of that. Sometimes he'll throw the cloak over your shoulders, and there could be a decade or two decades or years, whatever it is, between the moment of the promise and when you actually see it fulfilled. Are you with me? And what do you need to fill the gap with? Faithfulness. Seasons of faithfulness, of following God. So here's, here's Elisha, following God. But here's the beauty of, of the whole thing. What did he do before he followed Elijah? He burned his plows. Why? So there would be no temptation in his seasons of faithfulness to go back and be doing something else. Do you think it might not have entered into his mind at year two or year three or year four? I could be plowing fields. I could be making money. I could be having a better place to sleep. I could be doing something greater than what I have. But all that was preparation for what God was about to open up for him. And what the amazing thing is, is in 2 Kings chapter 2, we see the moment of fulfillment. It's 10 to 12 years later. Let's turn there. Let's take a look at this together as Pastor Rick comes. It says this. And this is a progression of time where God begins to prompt Elijah and says, the time is coming when I'm going to take you. I'm going to receive you. Your ministry is coming to a close. The time is drawing near. And all these people begin to sense it and they could feel it and they could sense something's about to happen. 
they even begin to talk to Elisha. Say, Elisha, like, I think, like, something's about to happen to Elijah. He keeps telling them, be quiet, be quiet, stop talking to me. You could read it right there. You'll see it in the, in the, in the verses before that. But then we see here, and, and, and it says that Elisha, Elijah begins to tell Elisha, hey, I'm going over to this land. I want you to stay here, Elisha. And Elisha says, as long as the Lord lives and you live, I am not leaving your side. He clings to the prophet. He clings to Elijah. He clings to the man of God. He says, okay. And then he gets to the place. He says, I'm going to go over here now. I want you to stay here. He said, I'm not staying here. As long as the Lord lives, as long as you live, I am not leaving your side. Why? Because Elisha had been waiting all this time for his moment. And he was not going to miss his moment staying complacent and comfortable somewhere. He said, no, God's called me. I am not leaving your side till God fulfills his promise. And so he follows him. Now we get to verse 6. It says, then Elisha said to Elisha, stay here again. The Lord has told me to go to the Jordan River. But again, Elisha replied, as surely as the Lord lives and you yourself live, I will never leave you. So they went together. Fifty men of the group of prophets also went and watched them from a distance. As Elijah, he folded his cloak together. He struck the water with it and the river divided and the two men walked across the Jordan on dry ground. And they came to the other side and Elijah said to Elisha, tell me what can I do for you before I'm taken away? And Elisha replied, please let me inherit a double share of the spirit that's on you. Let me become your successor. He said, you've asked a very difficult thing, Elijah replied. If you see me when I'm taken from you, then you will get your request. If not, then you won't. Why did Elisha remain faithful through all those seasons? Because of this moment. He would have missed the moment God was about to break forth and give it to him. He said, don't miss it. And it says, as they were walking along and talking, suddenly chariots of fire came, drawn by horses of fire. It drove between the two men, separating them. And Elijah was carried by a whirlwind into heaven. What a powerful moment in time. And Elisha saw it and he cried out. My father, my father, I see the chariots and the charioteers of Israel. He said, I see it. I'm here. I'm not missing the moments. And they disappeared from sight. And Elisha tore his clothes in distress. But here it is, verse 13. Then Elisha picked up Elisha's cloak that had fallen when he was taken. Then Elisha returned to the bank of the Jordan. He struck the water just as Elijah did. And he cried out, where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? And the river divided in front of him. And Elisha went across, and the group of prophets from Jericho, they saw it. They exclaimed, Elijah's spirit rests on Elisha now. And they went and they met him. They bowed to the ground before him. Here's the powerful thing about it. As you look through the book of Kings, you can begin to count the miracles. And when you look at the, uh, Elijah, you can see as many as 14 miracles that, were, um, that had taken place in Elijah's ministry. You count Elisha's ministry at least 28 miracles, if not 30 that were committed in Elisha's ministry. He received the double portion of what God had promised. He received it all. He received it right in front of him. But rewind. Let me ask you now, in hindsight, 24 oxen for 28 miracles. Anyone want to take that trade? 24 oxen for 28 miracles. What moments God wants to bring into your life? Every one of those miracles, it's a Kairos moment. It's a, it's a God moment. There's some of you, you're right there. You're, you're on the other side. It's on the other side of 24 oxen. 
It's on the other side of a big step of faith that God's going to open doors that you can never imagine. To all those who want more, you've got to step into the moment. Jesus himself promised it. Say, Pastor, okay, I, I hear you. This is Old Testament, though. I mean, like, you're talking about oxen and, and, and a cloak and chariots of fire. I mean, it's, really? What about me? What about now? Can I tell you that the same promise that was made to Elisha, the same calling that extended to him, the same way that he was clothed, this is the same promise, the same provision that's been given to you and me? Do you know this, that Jesus made a promise to us, to all of us? He said this in John 14, verse 12. He said, I tell you the truth. Anyone, say anyone, anyone who believes in me will do the same works that I have done and even greater works because I am going to be with the Father. Jesus made a promise. He said, everything you've seen, everything you've heard, those who follow after me and believe in me will do the same, if not even greater works than I have done because I'm going to be with the Father. Now, Jesus said this, though. He said, wait for the moment. In Luke chapter 24, verse 49, he said, I am going to send you what my Father has promised. This is the Holy Spirit. But stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. He said, you'll be clothed with power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Jesus didn't say you 12. He didn't say just a few. He said anyone who asks, anyone who believes in him, anyone who trusts him will experience the greater things. When we talk about this idea of greater things, when we're talking about greater, it isn't greater in quality. Jesus did it all. He died and rose again for your sins. He rose the dead to life. What greater is there in that sense? When he's talking about greater, he's talking about quantity, that there will be greater miracles, more miracles, more life, more transformation than you could ever imagine. Do you believe for that today, church? Do you believe today that we could pray for the sick, that they would be healed in God's presence? Do you believe today that God can raise even the dead to life, that he can work miracles? That's a part of our inheritance. It's a part of the calling. It's a part of what we have are these Kairos moments, these God moments, these miracles in the making. Come on, would you stand to your feet with me today? This is what God has extended. This is what God has promised. Whether you're watching here, you're watching in our overflow, watching online, this is the promise that God has made, that he has more. He has moments. But for you to be willing to take hold of them, you need to take a bold step of faith. You need to enter into seasons of faithfulness in following him. But I believe right now, today, there's a moment that's waiting for us. I believe there's a moment to be had right here and right now. I could just sense a, a sense of expectation in my heart. The same way I entered into a room and I had no idea what God had waiting for me that day. I believe God has something waiting for many of us here today. There's some of you today, God has been stirring your heart as, as you've heard this message. He's been stirring your heart this day, this week, this hour. Perhaps he's placing his hand on you. Perhaps he wants to make known his plan for you. Perhaps he wants to set you apart. But it's going to require a step for you. And I'm going to invite the first step that you could take is a step forward. Come to this altar right now. And we're just going to begin to pray. If that's you and God's speaking to your heart, you feel God stirring you, I want you to come right now. We're just going to begin to pray. If you're in the overflow, I want you to begin to walk forward right now. We're just going to pray. We're going to spend a few moments just calling upon the Lord. Come on, if the Lord is stirring your heart, if he's speaking to you in some way, if you feel like, Lord, I feel like your hand has been 
been upon me. If some of you feel like you've been running from the call of God on your life, some of you feel like you've been disobedient and the Lord is now getting your attention, whatever it is, just come to this altar right now. Say, Lord, I set myself apart for you, afresh and anew. Today, Lord, I sense you're doing something. You're stirring something. You're beginning something. Come on, if that's you, just come. Anyone else, just come from right where you are. Come on, we're going to begin to pray right now. Would you begin to pray, church family? Would you begin to praise the Lord? Thank you, Lord Jesus. Extend your hand right now in this room. Just extend it towards those that are standing in the front right now. We're just going to begin to pray. And if, you're, if you've not come yet and you know that God's stirring you, just begin to walk forward. Lord, we come before you right now, Lord God. We open our whole hearts, our whole lives, Lord God. Everything we are, Lord, we open ourselves to you. We ask you, Lord Jesus, to come right now, Lord God. Begin to speak to our hearts, Lord God. Begin to set us apart, Lord God. Begin to stir us. Begin to show us, Lord God. Begin to prepare us for the greater things that you have for your sons and your daughters today, Lord God. We want nothing more than to be in your will, to be in your plan, to be in your purpose. So we ask you, come, Lord God. Come today, Lord God. Clothe us with power from on high, Lord God. Fill us, Lord God. Use us. Show us the way that you'd have us to walk, Lord God, that we could be used by you, Lord God. We ask you today, Lord God, for moments, for Kairos moments, moments of open windows, open doors, appointments that are divinely orchestrated by your hand, Lord God. We pray right now, Lord God, from the front of this room to the back of this room, Lord God, would you get the attention of someone, Lord God? Would you set your hand on someone's life like you did, Lord, so long ago for me? Would you set someone apart in your presence, Lord God, for the plan and purpose you have for them, Lord God? At this hour, we're asking you, Holy Spirit, fall in this house, Lord God. Set your people apart. Clothe us with power from on high. Come on, all, all from the front to the back of this room. Just lift your hands to heaven. Say, Lord, what you have for me, I desire it today, Lord God. Whatever your plans are, make them known for me today, Lord God. Today we surrender, Lord God. We burn the plows, Lord God. We turn away from anything that would distract us from the purpose you have for us, Lord God. That we can enter fully into your plan, fully into your will, fully into your purpose, Lord God. Oh, Lord, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Just begin to call on the name of the Lord. Well, if you sense the Lord speaking to you, just begin to hear him. Just begin to respond to him right now at this time. Some of you today, I just sense you're counting the cost. There's, it feels like such a big step for you. tell you I'm living proof. There's so many people around you living proof. Obey God. Leave all the consequences up to him. Leave the provision up to him. Leave these things up to him. Leave them in his hands and watch what he'll do. We thank you, Lord God. We thank you, Jesus, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God, Jesus, Lord God. We thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God. Church family, I want you to begin to pray. Just begin to intercede, church, for those that are up here. I believe that God is birthing moments after moments right now in His presence. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord Jesus, Lord God. We thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord God.
We're going to pray right now, church family. Right now, just again, with every hand lifted in this house, Lord, we pray today that you'd meet us, Lord, that you'd speak to us, that you'd set us apart, Lord God, that you'd make known your plans, your purposes, that, Lord God, we would be faithful to enter into everything, the fullness of what you have for us, Lord God. Today, we fully, more fully surrender our lives to you. We surrender our hearts to you. We surrender our plan to you, Lord God. And we ask you at the moment, Lord, when you come, the moment you make known to us that you have a purpose, that you have a plan, that we will be willing to leave whatever behind we would need to, to follow you fully, Lord God. So speak to us, lead us, guide us, bring us back into this place that we can continue to receive from you in the matchless, precious, special, purpose in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen and amen. Come on, would you praise God with me, church? We're going to spend some time at this altar praying. I would invite you to come. Today, if you're far from God and you need someone to pray with, we want to pray with you to turn your heart to the Lord. I'd encourage you to come as we leave. But I need my prayer team around. I want to make sure that every one of you that responded, we have a chance just to pray over you today before you go. So if you're here in the, in the main auditorium, you need to go, or you're in the overflow and you need to go, feel free to step out. But we're going to spend some time at this altar just beginning to pray. Pray God's plan. Pray for God's clarity. If you need prayer, you come forward. We'd love to pray with you as you go. God bless you. We'll see you on Wednesday night and next Sunday morning as we continue you through our summer.